Hello, everyone, and welcome to Third Eye with Lorelai. I'm your host, Lorelai, where we talk all things metaphysics. Hello, everybody. So I wanted to make a couple quick announcements before we get into the episode. So I wanted to let you all know that I will be taking a winter holiday break and it'll be for two episodes worth. So the 26th and January 2nd, there won't be an episode because, you know, from what little time I can celebrate with the family, I want to do it while we can, right? So at any rate, I hope that all of you have a spectacular winter holiday, and I very much look forward to coming back and talking to you about all the wonderful things that I've been looking up, because you know I'm going to be doing all the research on my winter holidays, because that's what I love to do best. And look out for some very new upgrades for Third Eye with Lorelai, in addition to the anchor episodes that were all audio. We'll also have a YouTube video version of the episodes where you can see live the crystals that I'm actually talking about. You can see pictures and videos of different things that I'm talking about as well and a bunch of other really, really cool stuff and media involved with the episodes. So that is my very special (laughs) announcement for you all. And I truly look forward to seeing you on January 9th for the first episode back from the winter holiday break. And as always, I'll talk to you all again soon and happy holidays. everybody and welcome back to another episode of Third Eye with Lorelai. I'm really excited to talk to you guys this week in my car. If you notice it sounds a little bit different this week because I have all of my gear but I am in my little sedan recording <laughs> instead of at home like I normally am so it may sound a little bit a little bit different but we're still doing it and it's okay and it's gonna be amazing because you know this is how we do things sometimes because life it happens and we continue forward in our car (laughs) so anyway I'm here in my little Prius that may turn on and off every now and again because that's what Priuses do and I am here to talk to you about all the wonderful things I've been looking up this week so the the crystal this week I got from one of my listeners who is fantastic. I actually did an entire episode that she had suggested and I just love her to pieces. So Lena Tate suggested that we do septarian, which I've never heard of before until she mentioned it to me. And I was like, yep, I'm going to look that up because whenever I get suggestions, you better believe that I'm putting it up in one of the episodes for sure. So I looked up Septarian and it is literally one of the coolest crystals. It looks kind of like 
like a leopard print almost in a way. It's got like, and it's like a tan and dark brown and, but it's almost like super glossy. It's, it's really pretty and really interesting to look at. So I checked it out on Septarian off of meanings.crystalsandjewelry.com forward slash Septarian. And this is written by Caroline Lucas. And this is what she has to say about Septarian. Septarian is one of the most beautiful and interesting stones that you will see. That's because no two stones look exactly the same. The same Septarian is from the Latin word septum, which means seven, or septum, meaning a wall or an enclosure. The stone also got its name because it seems to form in a pattern of seven. The mud ball that's formed on the seabed splits into seven different points and radiates in all directions. You can get the contrasting and distinctive dragon skin pattern as a result. Septarian is also known as Septaria, Septir, and Dragonstone. Within Septarian, there are many minerals mixed in. The yellow parts that you see are the calcite, and the brown lines are argonite. Ar Ar Aragon, Aragonite. <laughs> Aragonite, got it. The white lines are barite, and the gray ones are either cal chalcedony or limestone. There are many deposits of septarian found in the USA, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Madagascar, Spain, and England. So why would you use septarian? So septarian has a great and diverse effect on the life of anyone who uses it. The minerals that can be found in the stone have their own separate effects on you, and they may vary depending on a specific reason. Septarian and black star sapphire can enhance your sense of privacy you will suddenly realize that you're sharing too much of your life on a social media and it will make you want to take a step backward and ret retreat into your inner shell. You will understand that not everyone needs to know every little thing about you and your life and that having an air of mystery and a sense of privacy is still very important these days. Septarian can also give balance to your body, mind, and spirit. It will ensure peace and harmony in all aspects of your being so that you will be able to face the daily challenges of life with confidence and grace. It will harmonize your emotions and your intellect with your higher mind. It will make you understand things about this life that you didn't understand before, and this knowledge will continue to an enlightened, enlightened existence. If you combine it with zebra stone, Septarian will also improve your communication. This will be very helpful, especially if you do a lot of public speaking. It can help you with your client presentations and how you share knowledge when you teach other people. The stone can give the energy that will affect your audience on a personal level and make them feel like you're directly speaking to them. It will help keep your audience engaged and you'll keep their interests are long after you finish talking. Septarian and Novaculite, Novaculite, no, that sounds, that sounds better, Novaculite, can remove your stress and anxiety, and it can help you relax. It's a very helpful tool in meditation because it's also a great calming stone. Its colors will effectively put you at rest. It can make you feel good overall, whether it's at home, work, or travel. Septarian is also a grounding stone that will center you and connect you to your body, mind, and spirit. It's a very helpful talisman when it comes to spiritual or mental problems. 
It's also quite effective when you need to make something new out of old things. The same can be said with other areas of your life, like your job or your relationships. So how will Septarian help you? So Septarian healing and health. Septarian's energies are quite effective in calcium absorption. They can also help warm your extremities and bring energy to the whole body. Well, that's good for right now, right? Because we're entering into the winter solstice. So it's good to have something that's going to warm you up, right? Maybe have some Septarian with a cup of tea or coffee or something while it gets all cold outside. Septarian will help relieve pain and will give a much needed boost to your immune system. It can help stop night twitches and muscle spasms as well. Ooh, I need to get some of this then because let me tell you about the restless legs that I get at night. Does any of you have that issue where you lay down and then all of a sudden your legs just feel like, it's hard to explain, they just feel twitchy and you have to like, like flex your muscles and then like try and relax and I find magnesium really helps with that, by the way. So anyway, apparently septarian helps with that. It's good with seasonal affective disorder or SAD, and it can help remove growths that can turn into something serious and life-threatening. When you combine it with snow quartz, septarian can improve metabolism and help with kidney, blood, and skin disorders. It's also beneficial to the gallbladder and spleen, as well as the circulatory system. It can speed up the healing of your tissues as well as with storing minerals in your veins. It can strengthen the skeleton and the joints, provide relief to open sores, and will help cases of hysteria, bad dreams, dementia, and senility. Septarian luck and wealth. Septarian is quite effective as a protective stone against lawsuits. It's a good stone to have when you're experiencing a crisis because it will keep you calm and collected. It will prevent you from taking further missteps. Septarian stones will give you strength during moments of weakness. They will center you when you feel like everything you've worked on so hard to achieve is toppling over. They can be an effective problem solver. They will foster cooperation in the workplace and can mitigate tendencies to show off or display a know-it-all attitude. Septeria stones will bolster your confidence and will fill you with calming energies. When you're calm and collected, you'll be making fewer mistakes. Proving yourself reliable, as Septarian will help you to demonstrate, means you are far more likely to attract the approval and attention of your superiors when it's time for a promotion, or the respect of your customers and clients if you're in business for yourself. Keeping calm and taking a pragmatic approach when dealing with the trials and tribulations before will help you as well because it will grow your confidence and not cause you to consider giving up on your dreams when the going gets tough. Septarian for love and relationships. When it comes to love, Septarian will remind you of the importance of having your privacy. It will strengthen the desire in you to keep your privacy even if you are in a committed relationship. Just because you live under one roof, share the same bed, and are parents to the same children does not mean that your sense of privacy should come flying out the window. Your privacy is still important because it will make you feel like you're still the same person, especially when you combine it with the March birthstone, which is aquamarine. You know why I know that? That's because it's my birth month. (laughs) Sorry, it's a little cheesy, but yeah, it is. It's my birth month, and it's aquamarine, so... Aquamarine and and Septarian, I guess, are really good for privacy. It will make you feel that you still have something left in you that you have not shared with anyone else. 
It's not, it does not exactly have to be something bad. It can be something good that you only want to enjoy for yourself. And that's perfectly okay. The stone's energy will help you remove unwanted attention on you or a person's unhealthy regard of you. It will help you retain your anonymity and be free of people's watchful eyes, scrutinizing gaze, or interference in your personal affairs. Septarian will also focus on the importance of self-nurturing. It's admirable that you put other people's happiness first, but sooner or later, the emotions will catch up to you and you may start to feel resentment for all the opportunities that you let pass by. It will encourage caring for others, but caring for your own well-being as well. Septarian will give your relationship the gift of acceptance, patience, generosity, and understanding. It will make you more emotionally flexible and better at tempering your anger and hostility. It will give you the ability to communicate well with your partner, speaking clearly and kindly while sharing what you truly think or feel. Septarian will release negative energies that are clouding your judgment and making you hold on to unhealthy. So anyway, the longer that you hold on to those emotions, the heavier and darker your aura becomes. A dark and heavy aura will never attract the good kind of energies. Septarian is a very important stone because it will calm your mind. It will give you better tolerance and patience. It can combat depression and other turbulent emotions. Most of all, it can help with emotional stress. Being in love or in a relationship should not be emotionally, physically, and mentally toxic. If ever you feel that you are in a relationship that's more stressful than wonderful, you can always channel the energies of the incredible Septarian. So how do you use Septarian for the best results? Septarian is great to carry with you to calm your nerves and remove all traces of nervousness from your body, like when you're about to speak in front of a big crowd or audience. It will make you speak naturally and eloquently, and you will have the attention of everyone in the room with every word that leaves your mouth. Articulating your ideas is so important, and keep that in mind if you are wearing Septarian stone or otherwise having it on your person ahead of speech or when trying to negotiate a tricky issue. Be it personal or professional, you'll find it much easier to get from one side of the debate to the other without hurting any feelings. It's also a wonderful tool in meditation. Make sure that you focus on the scenarios that you want to manifest in your life while you clutch the stone in your hand. Place the Septarian in your affected chakras to help them open and allow the flow of energies. So the best combination to use with Septarian. Septaria is good to pair with other combination crystals so that you can get more healing benefits and minerals in your aura. You can try Apache Gold, Azure Malachite, Iliot Stone, Euclase, Fuchsite, Kyanite, Healer's Gold, Tiger Iron, and Unikite. You can wear them as jewelry, preferably as a necklace, pendant, ring, bracelet, or anklet. It's important that you keep it close to your body so that you will always be in your Septarian's vibrational fields. You can also hold it in your hands, slip it inside your purse or pocket, or stash it inside your bra if you don't want to wear Septaria jewelry. <laughs> okay, so as somebody that works as a nurse and I have to go in and change into scrubs, I can't imagine like putting gems or crystals in my bra and then just like while I'm working all of a sudden I hear like <laughs> crystals clattering on the floor <laughs> I can just see people looking at me with the side eye like why are you dropping crystals on the floor Lorelai like what's happening right now oh just putting crystals in my bra because you know <laughs> oh well I guess that is something that people do and that's totally fine it was just a funny image in my head thinking <laughs> 
<laughs> putting crystals in my bra. Anyway, Septarian and emotional healing. When it comes to emotional healing, Septarian has the ability to clear negative energies from your environment and all lingering feelings of sadness, hurt, or hatred. Its healing energies will calm your mind and show you how to be more discerning about life. It provides a pathway for your thought transmissions and is very beneficial in balancing the energy in your body, heart, mind, and spirit. Septarian is known as the concretion stone. Does that say that right? Concretion? Yeah. It's a very protective stone that provides both grounding and protection of your physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual bodies. Septarian is a stone that you should use when you want to regulate your physical, emotional, and mental, and spiritual prowess. The emotional healing properties of this stone will promote both calm and understanding on an emotional level. It will enhance your emotions and your well-being and make it possible for you to merge and amplify your own energies. The emotional healing energies of Septarian are also very useful in knowing the direction you want to progress. This stone loves to be held because it radiates a loving, gentle, and kind energy pattern. It's also a beautiful stone to wear or carry if you will be in front of many people. Its energies will infuse you with confidence and strength so that you'll be able to command attention. Septarian is a grounding stone to make it possible for you to be more tolerant, patience, patient, and emotionally flexible. If you use the stone in your meditation, this stone will be able to gauge what's wrong and make it possible for you to heal yourself. Septarian will absorb your energy and transmute it into something that you need to be a stronger, better, and happier person. It's a highly grounding stone that will keep you strong and stable, even if there's so much happening around you. Septarian is the perfect comp companion stone when you're under a lot of stress or you're harboring so much anger in your heart. The emotional healing properties of this stone will give the emotional stability that you need, as well as the support and the strength to keep you going. Ooh. Septarian will also project tenacity and courage and it will help you stop feeling lost, afraid, or unwanted. Using the stone on a regular basis will remind you that life is about the journey and it's all about the beauty that surrounds you. Oh, I skipped a thing. <laughs> Using the stone on a regular basis will remind you that life is all about the journey and it's all about having happy and unforgettable moments. It will help you find your inner resources that will anchor you and it will make you appreciate all the beauty that surrounds you. The emotional healing energies of Septarian will also make sure that you're okay, even in the most stressful and most difficult situations. Septarian will encourage you to release your emotional stress, your negative thoughts, and your turbulent emotions. It will inspire you to get yourself out of your depressive state and to not be too affected by your bad dreams. Septarian is a lovely stone that possesses an incredible energy that will help in releasing and regulating your energy so that you will no longer have to deal with blocked energies. So this is the author's final thoughts on the power of Septarian. Septarian is a protective stone that can both ground you and shield your physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual body. It can give you a calming effect during really toxic days and will give you a better understanding of things on a more emotional level. It will enhance your well-being and stimulate your emotions. It will amplify the good energies and get rid of the bad energies. It will also help you in determining the direction you want to pro progress. Septarian will bring in more love, kindness, and sincerity in your life, and it will enhance your communication in so many different levels. Okay, so that is Septarian. Pretty fascinating, right? It's such a multifaceted stone, even in just like having it for court cases. Like, that's impressive. So, anyway, I think I might have to pick, 
pick up some. So thank you so much, Lena, for suggesting such an interesting and beautiful stone for us to look at and get our hands on and hopefully vibrate a little bit higher and stay protected and well-grounded as well. Okay, so let's talk about Lorelei's picks of the week. And these two are actually pretty common. If like, if you're just starting out in your spiritual, spiritual journey, these are like the two stones that you know right off of the bat. And even if you're not, like if it's not something that you're into, I feel like most people who aren't like on like a spiritual awakening path, they kind of know these, these stones anyway. But it's amethyst and rose quartz. And these have a profound effect on your own self-love and your love for others. So amethyst is is something that allows you to go deeper with things. It allows you to kind of uncover parts of yourself maybe that you didn't know. Rose quartz is commonly used obviously for love intentions because it's directly associated with your heart chakra. Now, in general, green stones are associated with your heart chakra and I feel like there's an upper heart chakra which is sort of in between your throat and your heart and that's your upper heart. And that is where all of our pink stones are really associated with. And amethyst and rose quartz together are a way to connect with your heart and open up to heart-based love. And amethyst usually aligns with your mind to facilitate spiritual love. So when you align your heart and your head with the energy of love, this combination goes into a much deeper, supportive self-love and uh, deepen relationships with others. So that is Lorelai's Picks of the Week, Amethyst and Rose Quartz. Take that combination and give it a go and let me know what you think of it. Send me a text, email me, send me a voice message, a smoke signal. (laughs) Send me, but via telepathy, I'll see if maybe I can catch it. That would be pretty freaking cool, wouldn't it? It's possible. Let's try it out. Let's see if any of you send me a message in your mind. Maybe I'll get it. <laughs> anyway, so that is my crystal combination pick of the week. So let's talk about the quote of the week. So this is by Leon Brown. Healing is not an overnight process. It is a daily cleansing of pain. It is a daily healing of your life. Okay, so the topic of this week, because we are very close to the new Sabbath, which is Yule. Now, Yule is also known as the winter equinox, and it is the celebration of across multiple places of like winter time like we're we're heading into the winter and yule is a representation of all things winter so i looked up all this information off of my favorite learnreligions.com forward slash history of yule dash four five six two nine nine seven and this is what patty wingington my favorite says about yule The pagan holiday called Yule takes place on the day of the winter solstice around December 21st in the Northern Hemisphere. Below the equator, the winter solstice falls around June 21st. On that day, 
an amazing thing happens in the sky above us. The Earth's axis tilts away from the sun in the northern hemisphere, and the sun reaches its greatest distance from the equatorial plane. So a couple of fast facts. Traditional customs such as the Yule log, the decorated tree, and wassailing can all be traced are tra traced back to the Norse people who called the festival, I think it's still pronounced Yule, but it's spelled J-U-L. The Romans celebrated Saturnalia beginning on December 17th, a week-long festival in honor of the god Saturn that involved sacrifices, gift-giving, and feasting. In ancient Egypt, the return of Ra, the sun god, was celebrated as a way of thanking him for warming the land and the crops. Many cultures around the world have winter festivals that are in fact celebrations of light. In addition to Christmas, there's Hanukkah with its brightly lit menorahs, Kwanzaa, candles, and any number of other holidays. As a festival of the sun, the most important part of any Yule celebration is light, candles, bonfires, and more. Let's take a look at some of the history behind this celebration and the many customs and traditions that have emerged at the time of the winter solstice all around the globe. European Origins of Yule In the Northern Hemisphere, the winter solstice has been celebrated for millennia. The Norse people, who called it Yule, viewed it as a time for much feasting and merrymaking. In addition, if the Icelandic sagas are to be believed, this was a time of sacrifice as well. Traditional customs such as the Yule log, the decorated tree, and wassailing can be traced back to Norse origins. The Celts of the British Isles celebrated midwinter as well. Although little is known today about the specifics of what they did, many traditions persist. According to the writings of Pliny the Elder, this is the time of year in which Druid priests sacrificed a white bull and gathered mistletoe in celebration. Okay, did anybody kind of like get their interest peaked when I said Pliny the Elder? Maybe it's just because I enjoy beer, but Pliny the Elder is a really, really amazing India Pale Ale beer that's made actually in Santa Rosa. Um, and it's called Pliny the Elder, and it's by Russian River. So if ever you really want to try a new beer, that is actually one of my most favorite IPAs. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that are laughing at me right now, but that's fine. It's a really good beer if you want to try it out sometimes. So <laughs> anyway, let's keep talking about Yule. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. So I have a quote from the editors at Huffington Post. Until the 16th century, the winter months were a time of famine in Northern Europe. Most cattle were slaughtered so they wouldn't have to be fed during the winter, making the solstice a time when fresh meat was plentiful. Most celebrations of the winter solstice in Europe involved merriment and feasting. In pre-Christian Scandinavia, the Feast of Yule, or Yule, I I don't know if you say it anything different. It's J-U-U-L or Y-U-L-E. Lasted for 12 days, celebrating the rebirth of the sun and giving rise to the custom of burning a Yule log. Roman Saturnalia. Few cultures knew how to party like the Romans. Saturnalia, which fell on December 17th, was a festival of general merrymaking and debauchery held around the time of the winter solstice. This week-long party was held in honor of the god Saturn. 
and involved sacrifices, gift giving, special privileges for slaves, and a lot of feasting. Although this holiday was partly about giving presents, more importantly, it was to honor an agricultural god. A typical Saturnalia gift might be something like a writing tablet or tool, cups and spoons, clothing items, or food. Citizens decked their, decked their halls with boughs of greenery and even hung small tin ornaments on bushes and trees. Bands of naked revelers often roamed the streets, singing and carousing. Carousing? <laughs> a sort of naughty precursor to today's Christmas caroling tradition. Oh my god. So people in Roman times would run around singing naked. <laughs> Carousing instead of caroling. Okay, that sounds really hilarious. <laughs> the picture in my head is absolutely phenomenal right now. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm continuing on. I, I I cracked myself up. If you couldn't tell, welcome the sun through the ages. Four thousand years ago, the ancient Egyptians took the time to celebrate the daily rebirth of Ra, the sun god. As their culture flourished and spread throughout Mesopotamia, other civilizations decided to get in on the sun, welcoming action. They found that things went really well, until the weather got cooler and crops began to die. Each year, this cycle of birth, death, and rebirth took place, and they began to realize that every year, after a period of cold and darkness, the sun did indeed return. Winter festivals were also common in Greece and Rome as well as in British Isles. When a new religion called Christianity popped up, the new hierarchy had trouble converting the pagans, and as such, folks didn't want to give up their old holidays. Well, I mean, come on, with all the carousing and the beer drinking, I would too. I mean, come on, that sounds like, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Sorry. Christian churches were built on old pagan worship sites and pagan symbols were incorporated into the symbolism of Christianity. Within a few centuries, the Christians had everyone worshiping a new holiday celebrated on December 25th. Although scholars believed it is more likely that Jesus was born around April rather than in winter. In some traditions of Wicca and paganism, the Yule celebrations comes from the Celtic legend of the battle between the young Oak King and the Holly King. The Oak King, representing the light of the new year, tries each year to usurp the old Holly King, who is the symbol of darkness. Reenactment of the battle is popular in some Wiccan rituals. So that is that article by Miss Patty Winchington. So let's talk about some other Christmas type traditions and within with that okay, so the 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 title of this article is Nine Christmas Traditions with Pagan Roots. And this is also by Patty Winchington. And so this is what I, I kind of like this because I like seeing where a lot of these traditions began. I mean, like just just now we learned that carousing is a form of caroling, only you know we kind of wear clothes now. So anyway, this is what she says about these different traditions that have pagan roots. During the winter solstice season, people around the world practice all kinds of Christmas traditions, from eating candy canes to giving presents. But, did you know that many Christmas customs can trace their roots back to pagan origins? Here are nine little-known bits of trivia about Yule season traditions. 
and the first one is Christmas caroling. The tradition of Christmas caroling actually began as a tradition of wassailing. In centuries past, wassailers went from door to door singing and drinking to the health of their neighbors. The concept actually harkens back to pre-Christian fertility rites. Only in those ceremonies, villagers traveled through their fields and orchards in the middle of winter, singing and shouting to drive away any spirits that might inhibit the growth of future crops. Caroling wasn't actually done in churches until St. Francis, around the 13th century, thought it might be a nice idea. Number two, kissing under the mistletoe. Mistletoe has been around for a long time and has been considered a magical plant by everyone from the Druids to the Vikings. The ancient Romans honored the god Saturn, and to keep him happy, they conducted fertility rituals under the mistletoe. Today, we don't go quite that far under the mistletoe. At least, not usually. But this could explain where the kissing tradition comes from. The Norse, El, oh, how do you say it? Edas, Edas, for any whoever's correcting me right now. The Norse Edas tell of warriors from opposing tribes meeting under mistletoe and laying down their arms, so it's certainly considered a plant of peace and reconciliation. Also in Norse mythology, mistletoe is associated with Frigga, a goddess of love, who wouldn't want to smooch under her watchful eye. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would want anybody watching me kiss anybody else, but you know, whatever. That's my thing. Number three, gift delivering mythical beings. Sure, we've all heard of Santa Claus, who has his roots in the Dutch Sinterklaas mythology, with a few elements of Odin and St. Nicholas thrown in there for good measure. But how many people have heard of La Befana? the kindly Italian witch who drops off treats for well-behaved children. Or Frau Halle, who gives gifts to women at the time of their winter solstice. Throughout the world, gift-giving mythical beings are part of local traditions. And number four, decking the halls. The Romans loved a good party, and Saturnalia was no exception. This holiday, which fell on December 17th, was a time to honor the sun god Saturn. And so homes and hearths were decorated with bowels of greenery, vines, ivy, and the like. The ancient Egyptians didn't have evergreen trees, but they had palms. And the palm tree was the symbol of resurrection and rebirth. Ooh, I didn't know that. I got palm trees all over California. I didn't know that's what I represented. Awesome. Just learned something new. People often brought the fronds into their homes during the time of the winter solstice. Over time, this evolved into the modern tradition of the holiday tree. Oh, I just had an epiphany. So now I get why they use palm tree fronds for Palm Sunday in the spring. Ah, I bet there's like so many people laughing at me right now because I did not make that connection at all. That palm trees represented resurrection or rebirth, and Palm Sunday is right around where Christianity Christians celebrate the rebirth of Jesus. Okay, just learning new things all the time. Okay, moving forward. Number five, hanging ornaments. During Saturnalia, Roman celebrants often hung metal ornaments outside on trees. Typically, the ornaments represented a god, either Saturn or the family's patron deity. The laurel wreath was a popular decoration as well. Early Germanic tribes decorated trees with fruit and candles in honor of Odin for the solstice. And number six, eating fruitcake. 
the fruitcake has become the stuff of legend. Because once a fruitcake is baked, it will seemingly outlive everyone who comes near it. Stories about fruitcakes from winter's past magically reappearing in the pantry to surprise everyone during the holiday season. What's interesting about the fruitcake is that it actually has its origins in ancient Egypt. There's a tale in the culinary world that the Egyptians placed cakes made of fermented fruit and honey on the tombs of their deceased loved ones. And presumably, these cakes would last as long as the pyramids themselves. In later centuries, Roman soldiers carried these cakes, made with mashed pomegranates and barley, into battle. There are even records of soldiers on crusades carrying honey-laden fruitcakes into the Holy Land with them. And number seven, giving presents. Today, Christmas is a huge gift-giving bonanza for retailers far and wide. However, that's a fairly new practice, developed within the last two to three hundred years. Most people who celebrate Christmas associate the practice of gift-giving gift giving, with the biblical tale of the three wise men who gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the newborn baby Jesus. However, the tradition can also be tracked back to other cultures. The Romans gave gifts between Saturnalia and the Kalins. Oh, Kalins. Kalins. And during the Middle Ages, French nuns gave gifts of food and clothing to the poor on St. Nicholas's Eve. Interestingly, up until around the early 1800s, most people exchanged gifts on New Year's Day, and it was usually just one present rather than the massive collection of gifts typically given today. Number eight, Christmas holly. For those who celebrate the spiritual aspects of Christmas, there is significant symbolism in the holly bush. For Christians, the red berries represent the blood of Jesus Christ as he died upon the cross, and the sharp-edged green leaves are associated with his crown of thorns. However, in pre-Christian pagan cultures, the holly was associated with the god of winter, Holly King, doing his annual battle with the oak king. Holly was known as a wood that could drive off evil spirits as well. So it came in handy during the darker half of the year when most of the other trees were bare. And number nine, finally, the Yule log. Nowadays, when we hear about the Yule log, most people think of a deliciously rich chocolate dessert, which, yes, that's me. That that was something that I think of all the time. But I don't wait. No, I don't think of cake all the time. I'm just saying that that's what I think of. Whenever somebody says a Yule log, that's what I think of. I mean, don't judge me if I'm thinking about cake, because cake does come up on my mind every now and again. Anyway, back to the Yule Log. (laughs) But the Yule Log has its origins in the cold winters of Norway. On the night of the winter solstice, where it was common to hoist a giant log onto the hearth to celebrate the return of the sun each year, the Norwegians believed that the sun was a giant wheel of fire that rolled away from the earth and began rolling back again on the winter solstice. Okay, so that pretty much covers Yule, you guys. I think that was really interesting. I liked all that little bits of of information, especially about (laughs) carousing. (laughs) I'm sorry, that just, I'm just so tickled by that. (laughs) Anyway, so there's one more thing that I wanted to talk about that's happening this year, and it it doesn't happen every year. It only, it's it's taking place for the first time in 20 years. And I wanted to talk about it because it's, it's something
and different and it's new and it's only this year. So I'm getting this information off of Uspire Life or uspire.life forward slash 2020 dash 11 dash 19 dash 2021 astrology december 21st jupiter saturn grand conjunction and so that's what it is it's the grand conjunction so the world is set to change on december 21st and it's literally written in the stars and this is written by nadia mendoza so a huge astral astrology shift is taking place for the first time in 20 years hence the reason why i wanted to talk to you guys about this because it's kind of a big deal Okay, so this is what Nadia says. You've likely heard of a solar eclipse, a full moon, or a meteor shower, but what about a grand conjunction? It may not sound familiar, but you are set to have your first brush with one on December 21st. The word conjunction is used in astrology to describe the meeting of planets, while a grand conjunction refers specifically to the meeting of Jupiter and Saturn. It will be the first Jupiter and Saturn conjunction since 2000 and the closest alignment since the year 1623, nearly 400 years ago. Not only will it be a monumental occasion for astrologers and planet, ooh, I thought I said that wrong, but no, I said it right, for astrologers and planet enthusiasts, but also for us regular folk here on Earth. Whether you're up in the spiritual game or not, there's no denying this event is garnering a lot of attention. There's a common narrative taking place from the Aborigine cultures to the Mayans to the yogis, many of which have been preparing for this event for years. The reason for such focus and preparation over this deeper way of thinking is the view that the energy shift taking place in the atmosphere, especially in the buildup to the winter solstice, will create higher frequencies that will influence humanity. In particular, under this grand conjunction, there is a belief that we will see a shift towards more community-based living rather than looking to governments or big businesses for support while people turn to smaller organizations as they look to thrive collectively. This is due to the Jupiter and Saturn alliance taking place amongst air signs. It previously happened under earth signs, which places importance on humanitarian efforts. It is also said that this planetary turning point will allow us to keep our vibrations high by learning how to be true to ourselves rather than attempting to be positive all the time. So if we lost you at vibrations, <laughs> then consider this. <laughs> Everything around you is a form of energy, whether you see it or feel it. Similarly, you create energy in every moment of your day by thinking, doing or saying, and everything you do or don't do has a corresponding vibration that is set out into the world. And we know this, you guys, because we have been looking into the laws of the universe and know that to be true, right? Right. A vibration is simply that energy, positive or negative or neutral, that you are made up of. Yeah, that you are made up of. <laughs> Sorry. It is believed if we focus our energies on truth, our personal vibrations hum on a higher plane, consequently making our own energies brighter as well as the energy surrounding us. The date for the Grand Conjunction also holds significance, with December 21st being the shortest day and longest night of the year, signifying a return to the light. Once it passes, as the days begin to have more daylight in, the, in them again as they head towards summer solstice, two men who are dedicating 
to telling the story of the fascinating indigenous people and prophecies surrounding December 21st are Stephen Strong and his son Evan. They go into detail in the series of online conferences with one happening this weekend. Oh, and you can you can click on Forgotten Origin or if you go to Forgotten Origin on YouTube, it will come up. Speaking to you, Spire, Stephen opened up about the upcoming event and what it meant for individual souls and society as a collective. Stephen said, on December 21st at 9.02 p.m., an original ceremony will begin at Uluru, a large sandstone rock formation in the southern part of the Northern Territory in Central Australia that could recharge the planet and revitalize the spiritual heart of the people of the planet. The expectations and hope are not that the magic box, in quotations, as described in the Aborigine prophecy, could be turned on and that could set into motion a gradual ascension in the earth vibration of the planet. If successful, there will not be one, but two opposing vibrations, one permanently stationed at the current norm on the Schumann residence, a set of spectrum peaks in the extremely low frequency portion of the Earth's electromagnetic field spectrum of around eight, which we covered in one of my episodes, while the second will scale into the hundreds. Each soul will be drawn to the energy level that reflects their karma and current level of awareness. The way to turn on this magic box does not solely depend on the ceremony taking place, but also whether there are enough people on the planet on that day, at that time, in a positive state of emotion, such as love, joy, and compassion. Stephen believes the importance is not just for each individual to relate to their own unique belief systems, but for us to discover an inner realization that we came to this planet to learn two lessons, to find love and magic, and to understand why we are here. He concluded, the time has come to reset and rebalance. This time around, each person can assist on that day by recalibrating everything around us, meditating and cleansing your soul. So your energy can help turn this magic box on. We need a lot of people to do this. On our website, the elders have set out a routine we we recommend each person consult. Make this a day of peaceful, positive thoughts flooding in the planet. And if everyone, but and if enough souls unite the energy, they create. Oh, they create. It could be enough to turn on the magic box of crystals and heal the planet from within, starting at Uluru, then spreading spreading out throughout the planet. Please join us. You have nothing else to lose and everything to gain. There are many uh, mediation groups. Oh, I might I might have said that wrong. Mediation. Oh yeah mediating and cleansing your soul. I said meditation. So back there when he said we're recalibrating everything around us, mediating, I keep thinking she meant to say meditating and cleansing your soul so you can energy, whatever. I think that's what they meant, but that doesn't make any sense by mediating. I think she meant to put meditating, but maybe I'm being judgy. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to say meditating. There are many meditation groups being set up around the world in preparation for this, one of which is being led by Victoria Amore, a kundalini yoga teacher and gong soul healing practitioner. 
speaking about her excitement in the buildup, Victoria told us about her previous experience celebrating the winter solstice, saying it helps her find a positive and non-commercial celebration after many Christmas celebrations have become about presents and not presents. Victoria said, I have sung with a choir at sunrise at Stonehenge, surrounded by others from different faiths and beliefs. It reminds me that bigger things are happening around us, and what happens in our little bubbles is small in comparison. That gives me strength and hope and energy. This year is more significant because of the planetary alignment, and I want to be outside, looking up at the planets, and seeing the bigger picture after a year of more screen time than ever in my life before. As humans, we can disagree on many things. But this is something we cannot deny is happening. By living more in rhythm with nature, the earth, and the planets, we can connect deeper to our purpose. We can turn off our phones to go and look at the stars with our loved ones. Connect with those who have touched your heart and cultivate a feeling of love wherever and however we can, we can instead of disconnect. Talking about her classes, Victoria explained that she will be delivering daily meditations in the in the lead up to December 21st in order for people to receive the energy shift looming next month. She concluded, we're told it's going to be like light particles in the atmosphere. So for us to be able to receive those and have a DNA upgrade, we have to be of high vibration. The only way we can be of high vibration is to consistently remove the fear and expand on the love and light. Whether you were a believer in star signs or not, this extra close grand conjunction could be a once in a lifetime experience with the next one not due until, oh, not due to take place until the year 2080. So take a note of that date and see what life brings from late 2020 and into next year. As Shakespeare once said, the earth has music for those who listen. Boy, that sure sounds like the quote I did not too many weeks ago. <laughs> and remember what I said, that it's oftentimes a Shakespearean quote, but it's actually, I can't even remember his name. Ooh. I can't remember his name, but it was a different guy. He had like three names too. It's not coming to me right now. That's fine. Anyway, interesting article, you guys. So on December 21st, as we welcome the longest night of the year and we celebrate light and we celebrate the winter solstice, and we deck the halls and burn our Yule logs and maybe eat our Yule logs <laughs> and kiss under the mistletoe and go a-waffling. You can also go outside and look at this grand conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn and maybe set some new intentions and, you know, and whatnot and meditate because apparently this is all about changing our perspective and raising our vibration and to be positive as much as we can. Let's try and open this magic box. <laughs> I'm sorry, I kind of giggled at that a little bit. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be like disrespectful because I'm sure that that's a really like sacred thing, but it's just kind of a funny term, I guess, for me. It's great, I promise. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just like to giggle at things sometimes just because it's funny in my head. But let's open the magic box, shall we? Okay, so that pretty much covers it, you guys. That covers all the crystals, and that covers, oh yeah, Septarian, the crystal, and then rose quartz and amethyst, and our inspirational quote of the week, and Yule. 
celebrating Yule. I'm sure that everybody knows how to because Christmas is super, super popular. But now you have some history behind some of these practices that are commonly celebrated during this year. And now you know that we have this extra special thing that's happening on the winter equinox, the conjunction, the grand conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. So go take a peek at that outside on December 21st. At any rate, thanks for coming and listening again, you guys. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss anything. And I truly look forward to talking to you guys again in a week. Until then, love and light to you all. If you find yourself interested in receiving an intuitive tarot reading, contact me at 3rdeyelorelei at gmail.com or you can message me on my Instagram at 3rd.eye.with.lorelei or on Facebook at Third Eye with Lorelei Podcast to set up a reading. I can do Zoom or we can meet in person as long as we are wearing those face masks and practicing social distancing just to be safe. As always, love and light to you all, and I look forward to reading you soon.